morning, Jubilee, and welcome to the Epic Men's Breakfast. You would all stand, please. I'd like to open in Good morning, Jubilee, and welcome to the Epic Men's Breakfast. You would all stand, please. I'd like to open in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for this day. We are so blessed to be here. We are so blessed to be alive, but more than that, we're blessed to know that we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, so much for your son, everything he's done. We'd like to magnify today as we glorify his name in worship. Amen.
I'd like for you all to close your eyes right now and picture what the Lord showed me when I wrote this song. Jesus was standing, was on the cross, pardon me. I was standing away from him about 20 feet or 40 feet. I can't tell you exactly how far, but it was a distance away from him. He was the only one on the cross. There were no other crosses, and it was pitch black. Couldn't see anything except Jesus on that cross because of a light shining right on him. His head was bowed down. I want you to picture this now. He's hanging on that cross, his face torn so badly that you couldn't even tell who he was. And then he looked up at me, and his blood flowed down his body. And it went down to the ground, and it came up to me and flowed over my body, and I felt the warmth of his love the love from the Father that he sacrificed his only son. And that's when I wrote this song. He alone is worthy of all praise.
Can we sing, Bill, thank you, but let's sing that chorus one more time, but saying you alone, and just sing it to him. Can we do that, guys? Uh, I just feel like every time we ever sing something that's truth, we should then turn around and sing it to the one who's true. You know, Pastor, I want to say one quick thing. When I recorded that originally with my band, that's exactly what we sang at the very end. We did a real tag, and we went, you said you alone. Let's do it. So that's the Lord. Let's do it. You alone are worthy. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. You're welcome. Welcome. We're going to do a lot of interactions, and uh, this is an exciting time to be together. And now I got myself turned back on. Welcome everybody online. 
PD, are you here? I don't see PD. I wanted him to give a testimony. If he gets here a little bit later, we'll share that. Thank you, guys. Praise you, Jesus. I didn't know if they were going to start up again. Encore. <laughs> All right, Lord, Father, thank you that we can be men, and we are men whether we want to be or not. We rose born that way and called to be. And yet, Lord, in the Scripture, you call us to be leaders. You call us to cover and protect. You call us to lay down our lives for our wives. You call us to raise our children and nurture and admonition of the Lord. You call us to go forth, to conquer, to have occupations, work, to require, to learn, to discover. And above all things, you call us to be sons. And a son is the highest gift and the highest ranking that we could be given. Because even Jesus, as you came forth as a new creation, you were called forth a son, which made you much better than the angels. You were born a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, which we just sang of. But now you are crowned with glory and honor. And by the grace of God, you tasted death, ate death, that is over all of us. So that through death, you could destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver us who through fear of death were subject to slavery all our life. And now our high priest, merciful and faithful, and come to our aid and appointed us into a heavenly calling to which you are our apostle and a high priest of our confession. The confession of what you give us to speak out of your word and out of communion with you. And you grow us to carry authority and to influence by our words and in our heart and in our walk with you the destiny of people, destiny even of nations. So we do not diminish or minimize our being here as men, as men of inheritance in Christ, to build and practice and hold the place that we've been given. We have to discover the place. Then we have to learn to live from that place. We are challenged threatened, and often we abdicate our place, but still the inheritance is reserved in heaven for us. So it is impossible to be sent away or to be dismissed from because the place you have prepared for us is where you are. And we are kept by the power of God even when we are being made weak and learning and losing because the loss is our gain. The gain is Christ. So we ask you today, as you, by your spirit, have us totally on your radar. We are absolutely in the path that you have us in, and you know right where we are, to locate us that we might know where we are and know where you are in our journey and grow that journey so that when we finish our course on this earth, we can be like the Apostle Paul, saying, I have finished 
the race. I have kept the faith. I have a crown laid up for me, and not only for me, but for all who love your appearing. We believe that our last breath will be our best breath, filled with praise and thanksgiving, joy, filled with satisfaction like Abraham, like David. We will look upon what you have done, and we will praise you in what you are doing, and we will step across that threshold, and there you are, where you are, we are. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Lord, equip us in that, in the midst of all the other things of life that we have to be responsible about while we walk through this earth. But bring us into that one-to-one moment and grow us there so that we might see and walk with you as you have ordained for us to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I want to do a a few things. I want to do a... uh, Praise the Lord. I want to thank you, first off. I always want to thank you every time we come together. I just feel like it's, it's an honor to be together, to seek the Lord, to make it a point that we're here to... I don't know. I mean, we're here to know him. And practicing prayer is the only way that Jesus knew the Father. So you cannot know God without a life of prayer. And you cannot know God without a life of prayer and truth. So in this almost two years now, we've been growing the discipline. And I hope it's working for you. So I want to back up where we started with the dream. See if we are all on the same page. Encourage you. One thing about prayer is you can never make up what you lost. But you can always start right where you are. It's, you know, obedience is better than sacrifice. So when we try to recount, recover what we've missed, we just start over. We're forgiven. We're made perfect. We're accepted. We're stepped back into Jesus, and we just start that day. It's kind of like anything else in life. You can't go backwards, but you can always go forward. So the goal is, as men of inheritance, is we've said, let's ha- let's have a few disciplines. First off, we will... Give, we will give ourselves an hour to be with the Lord five days a week because that, without the time investment, there's no real capacity to, to, us, to uh, gather all that God is giving us because we, can't, we, have no, we, have, we may have the, the purchase price of wisdom, but we have no heart for it. So the hour of time. Second, we would come with a believing heart. So we would, the disposition of my heart when I go to pray is I'm coming to accept what I'm, re- what I'm hearing and I'm going to be responding with faith and, and childlike faith because Hebrews 3 says it's very easy to have the, the deceitfulness of sin that's all, all amok, that our hearts get hard and we be- have an unbelieving heart. And then we, don't, we refuse him when he speaks. So we, we come with, I don't, may not be doing well, I, my life may be really overwhelmed, but I'm going to come with a disposition of believing. I'm going to accept what I'm hearing. Second, I'm going to have a mouth that's speaking so that I'm not silent in my prayer, but I am praying out aloud. I am, and especially praying the word of God. Because if I can come with, give God an hour, and if I can come with my heart believing, and if I can engage my mouth speaking, that's the essence of salvation. To believe with my heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. To confess with my mouth, he is Lord, I'm saved. So that's the practice of salvation. With that, 
then God supplies the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, which is already ours here. Blessed God for this. And with the Word of God and the Spirit, we then begin to be transformed from glory to glory. So I want, to take you, I want us to look at John 17. I feel like we're right about at that time in life where you really, there's things that God's really wanting to secure in each of us and to whatever level we are. I don't know about you, but I want, there's so much more I want of the Lord than I'm, I'm experiencing. And I know there's so much more he's asking me to come in and experience him in. So I, I don't see uh, any slowing down from the pursuit of God. David, in Psalm 27, heard at a young age, the Lord said to him, seek my face. And he said, my heart said, your face I will seek. And how many have heard that from the Lord? Seek my face, right? A lot of us, and probably all of us have had that call. You know, I remember one of the first messages I heard at 19, someone was talking about that uh, some people seek God's hand, others seek his face. And I instinctively, intuitively knew that was, I don't want just the actions of God. I want the face of God. So it kind of became that my heart said, I'm going to seek your face. So Jesus, in his last prayer to the Father, in, in offering himself, completing his work and assignment on the earth, he prays for us. And um, verse 13 of John 17 but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now, a believing heart means that I, I accept that words. I can't produce the words, but I accept the words and truth. Therefore, I accept that Jesus wants his joy fulfilled in me. He wants me to live in a perpetual place of joy in the fulfillment I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 15. So then he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So Jesus was selective in his protection, and he wasn't going to get us out of this world, but he was going to keep us from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. That's, I love that bumper sticker, not of, the, not of the world, not of this world. They um, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. This is the, the, one of the secrets of, of maturity that we often have we've lost in this culture that everything's done for us instead of us taking the time to do it for our, to learn it ourselves. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You sent me into the world. I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So the truth, when we, uh, John 8, just just as a foundation, I know everyone knows these verses really well, but 8.31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, John 8.31, you are my disciples 
indeed. So the first sign of Jesus' proclaimed discipleship, if we are his disciples, is we live in his word. We dwell there. We reference our life from there. We find who we are from there. We discover who he is from there. We're abiding. It's like we're spending a lot of time. Uh, that's, I go to the scripture to find out how I'm doing. I go to the scripture to find out who I am. I go to the scripture to find out who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. That way I'm not as susceptible to the circumstances of the world around me and especially the news. And as you all know, you're, you're, the world is seemingly unraveling and there's much to be afraid of and much to be concerned about. And there are many things that we could easily be overwhelmed with and try to resolve. And, and yet first and foremost, Jesus said he overcame the world he gave us his peace. We're to walk in that joy. So we, I find for me, I've got to get right into the center of Christ, into the center of truth, into the center of rest before I know what to do circumstantially in anything. So he said, if you believe in, if you believe, abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So truth is discovered in abiding in the word. Jesus said, sanctify us by, our, by the truth. Your word is true. So if, but the word itself, carrying a Bible around doesn't make me sanctified and doesn't allow me to make me know the truth. I have to abide in the word. And then I start to under, discover truth that I just, it's, it's there, but it's, it's hidden. It's a mystery for me to be, to, to be found. And so then they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? The one first sign of bondage is you think you're free. Meaning you think that, you know, when God comes to bring you something, you're going, no, I don't need that. I don't, I, I'm, I'm just fine where I am. And Jesus answered him and said, most surely I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So anything that self self continues to control my life, then I'm still a slave of that thing which I'm being controlled by. So he says, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. And then in verse 36, he says, a, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. So in those short words, Jesus taught us the process of, of sanctification, coming into the truth. In the word, truth is shown. The truth often is offensive or it's challenging, or it doesn't meet my traditions or my traje trajectory. And so I go, wait a minute, I don't see that. But if I will stay in the conversation with the Lord in the truth, I will come to meet Jesus. And if I meet Jesus, he ultimately is the means of all freedom. All scripture is to bring me to Jesus. Every time I read the Bible, I'm supposed to meet Jesus. Every time I worship, I'm coming to meet Jesus because he is the place of of transformation. Isaiah, he was the one who was told after he saw the glory of God and was undone because when you see God, you see you. And when you see God, you see who he is. You see who you are. And there's a great difference every time because we are not sustaining salvation. We are recipients. We do not generate salvation. We are receivers. We, grace is how we hold our place. So when I see some more of God, I see me in, 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 in contrast, I'm given an opportunity to go, oh, I'm undone. And God is given at that moment says, come up, son, come up, come up to the place I'm showing you. Let go of where you are, let come up. And so 
Isaiah had that encounter, and then he was sent to go out to minister, and he was given the famous words, go and tell that you see, but you keep on, but you keep on hearing, but you don't hear, you see, but you don't see, your eyes are dim, your ears are dull, and your heart is hard, lest you would see with your eyes, hear with your ear, and understand with your heart, and turn to me, and I would heal you. So the encounter of the word is with Jesus. So First Thessalonians, and then we'll get into today's today's practice. First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians two thirteen. If I can, let me just make sure. Praise you, Jesus. And then we're gonna we're gonna practice this, and we're gonna take all the disciplines God's giving us and see how they work together. I'm going to go verse 11, because often I, I start at 2 Thessalonians 2.13. This is the good news. I want to start with the bad news, because sometimes we, do, we need to understand the bad news is, is why the good news is so good. Uh, verse 9. I'm going to go verse 9, 2 Thessalonians 2.9. And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So the love of the truth, you have to receive the love of the truth. That's the, the pathway to salvation. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. So there is the truth, and there is the lie. The truth is Jesus Christ. The lie is that I am God and can sustain my own life, maintain my own future, determine my own outcome, that I have life within myself. That was what Satan sought. That's what Eve was tempted with. That's what Adam uh, accepted. And that's where we found ourselves separated by that sin, the lie. So they'll believe the lie, that they, uh, that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And we know the world is opportunities of lots of pleasure and lots of things. So there is this desire. It starts again with the love of truth. But we are bound. Now, here's, the, here, here's what we're doing. Every day you pray. Every day you, you put that hour before the Lord. We are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. God chose us for salvation. He chose us. He chose us. We, we, Jesus said, I chose you. You didn't choose me because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through in sanctification. That's what we're talking about. It means to be set apart, pulled out of where you are into who, where he is, where he is, is where we are to be by the spirit, Holy Spirit. There we go. The spirit and belief in the truth. Truth is a word of God. So these two parts of God, they're not mine. I can't control Holy Spirit, and I can't make the Word of God manifest other than what God wants me to see and discern. But when I have those encounters by the Spirit and believe in the truth, sanctification is happening, and I'm stepping further into what is salvation, and ultimately to which he called us by your, our gospel, to which you were called by our gospel for the obtaining which is arriving at the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So 
however young we are, however old we are, we have a, there is an objective of Jesus, and that is we are going to enter into the fullness of the glory of Jesus Christ. I mean, not, not kind of, somewhat, maybe so. We're going to be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And he's doing it by the washing of the water of his word. He is the one intentionally engaged in this. And he's the one who's always charging us toward that. So that hour we give is so that God can do this work. Without this hour, there's not really little he can do for us. We will always be dependent on someone else to pray for us. We'll always be dependent on someone else to tell us what to believe. We'll always be dependent on someone else to tell us what we should go do. Because we don't have that, that witness. We don't have that maturity. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. The proof of, of discipleship is being led by the Spirit, and we're following him. So that's the joy, the beautiful thing about this. And so I want to thank you guys for that practice. That's, been a, that's what got me out of all the darkness that I was born out in when I was born again. I was in so much darkness, just that practicing to give God hour. I it was desperation. And I had, I was in a ministry that had me memorize the scripture every day. So it put me into the word. And now what happened on January, I don't know if I, I uh, next month, I want to really organize this to have a, 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 a gathering of testimony and a gathering of, of, of uh, witnessing where, what God is doing in our midst as men in this practice. Because what we did is we set up to do that discipline. And if you were there on our first gathering, we said one thing we were going to do is we were going to always begin inside Christ. Do you remember that? We're going to be in Christ. We're not out of Christ. We don't, I, when I pray, I do not try to get to Christ. I am in Christ. And that's where truth changes me. So then we started this year with praise. You remember Matt, uh, Second Chronicles 20, 22, and when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord said ambushes. And so that was our goal, and that's been my goal. And I heard the Father say to me, put something in the men's hands. How can they praise me if they don't have something to praise me with? And I just intuitively knew at that moment he meant the book of Psalms because the Psalms are the, the book of praise. They're, they're the book of proclamation, they're the book of prayer. They're just loaded. So we started with five psalms a day, reading. And we practiced reading aloud just because that kind of had the same thing about confession with your mouth. When you pray, say, Jesus said. So there was that audible hearing. Or like today, as I was driving over, I was listening to today's reading in Exodus because today's reading is Acts chapter 7, Acts, Exodus 2 and 3, and Exodus 22, and which is those readings out of Exodus are referencing Stephen's message that he's given to the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 7 as he gives this powerful story. And we're going to practice that in just a moment. But I'm listening to the Bible, which is so, so powerful, and I hope every one of us, you've got the Bible on your phone, and you've got a concordance on your phone. I think that's the only reason we have smartphones. It's the main reason God gave us the same, you know, it's an opportunity. You can, anywhere you want, you can get a, go into something. But I'm listening to Exodus 2, and since I'm driving from Ventura, I get all the way to about Exodus 5. 
And I'm just being drawn into the story because there's something about hearing the word of God being read to you or, or, or meditating, however you, however you do it. And we started doing that in Psalms. I, my whole prayer life, praise life changed. I've been a praiser all my life. I mean, intentional, but I, you get dull and you get dimmed and you lose your fervor and your heart begins to come, become complacent and you begin to become displaced from the place you started in. And yet, so I'm reading Psalms and it's like full of courage and it's full of conflict and it's full of God's righteousness and it's full of his declaration. It's David over and over that you will not let the wicked stand. You will judge the, the unrighteous. You will deliver me. I put my trust in you. Everything, all I put my trust in you. And it just started to just invigorate my praise. It invigorated my praise that I did it the next month. I dragged the rest of the church. I said, let's do it again. And so after we had done that, the 60 days, it was right. I don't know. Nobody, I didn't do the math. It just turned out to work that way. We took the, the gospels and for 40 days, we went through the four gospels. And by going through the four gospels, we were able to, you know, integrate them, just layer them so that we didn't, we, we just, kind of we're in the same storyline but we didn't you know do a synoptic gospel which is when you break apart scriptures verses and try to put it all together like that we just put the chapters kind of together we kept the chapter integrity in place so that there's you know if you're in mark you're gonna not, next time you read mark you'll be the next chapter and if you're in matthew the next time you read matthew you'll be the next chapter and we read the whole chapter but then we otherwise we kind of could move the chapters together and it so you'd read the same miracle three different times from three different persons, and, you, and there was something of impact. And I was walking around. And I'll be honest with you. Every time I read it, I think I'm, I, I need to have a new experience of salvation. I watched this man. This, this Jesus, the only difference is between him and you was he had no sin. But that isn't the same difference. We have no sin now either in the fact that our sin has been removed. But we have the memory of sin. We have the, the marring of sin. We have the, the, the trauma of sin. We have the ability to sin. It's still, it's well in our flesh. He was tempted every way we are, yet without sin. So I'm watching him, and I'm going, how did you do that? I mean, really, how did you do that? I mean, how did you stand? How did you tell Peter? I just read this yesterday. How did you tell Peter how did you know that Peter had told the Pharisees that, yes, my master, paid, we paid the temple tax? How did you even know that happened? And then when he came in, how did you ask Peter uh, the question of who's the, you know, do the sons or the foreigners pay taxes? And, then, and then, when, then you told Peter, so we don't offend anybody. I want you to go over to the lake, and I want you to, you know, throw a hook in. And the first fish you catch, <coughs> open his mouth, and there you'll pull out the, the temple tax. I'm thinking... How in the world did you do that? See, when you read scripture without it being something that you're just kind of like, well, that was that, and I'm, you, you start to in, enter into it. And it's so radically changing. I mean, I'm still reading the Gospels now. So I'm reading Psalms. I'm reading Psalms every day, and I'm reading the Gospels, and now we're in this new reading of the new birth of the church. So why that is so impactful <clears throat> is that if I pray and I don't use the Bible, then I'm left to my own thoughts. I'm left to my own interpretation of life. I'm left to my limitations in life. 
I'm left to myself. And if I pray with just out without the Bible, I don't have the resource of the truth. So reading aloud the scripture, worshiping Jesus in the scripture is massively transforming. It's just like, and, and the thing that I discovered, and I want us to just practice this together, is that it, the whole logos, the, the scriptures are, you know, the word of God in the Greek, there's two words for the word. One is logos. It's mostly, most of the time when you read the word, you hear word, it's logos. The other time it's rhema. It means it was spoken. So the, the whole conversation of God in the beginning was the word of God. This is the word of God. The rhema is what is being spoken to us by the Spirit of God to us out of the Logos of God. And that's very powerful. That's where faith comes from hearing that Logos moment. So in the reading of the Logos, then God speaks the rhema. But what happened was, I'm 46 years old in Jesus, and enough of you guys are that old too in Jesus. You, we we kind of have a, awareness of what we believe. We have kind of a awareness of what we need, and we have a kind of a place to go to get what we, what we believe and what we need. So the scripture becomes topical. But the Logos is, was designed that the whole scripture gets heard, and so all of a sudden I'm reading things I don't even want to read, like the Sermon on the Mount. Who wants to read the Sermon on the Mount? Because that's, my, that's, the, that's, the, that's the criteria of the kingdom. That's the constitution of the kingdom. And it's by which I will be judged, but which I can never perform. So then I have to now bow my knee and say, Lord Jesus, you're the only one that could ever walk in that meekness and in that poverty of spirit and in that willingness to be persecuted and in that you know, intentionality of submission. So I, I come to you and I humble myself and I ask that you would allow me to see you in this place and allow your transformation of who you are to bring me into this place. And it's just, it's just like, it's like getting, it's like being given an acting job and all you're being given is the script and God says listen I would like for you to perform with me these words I'd like to hear you read them and I'd like to see you experience them and I want you to step into the doing of the word which is what doing of the word means in the, in James to not be a forgetful hearer but a doer it means to perform it means to like a poet it, it's something to which we step into we don't possess it. We don't control it. We don't own it. We, don't, we can't even prove it. But we step into it and go, this is truth, so I'm going to now be here with you, and I'm going to experience you here in this, and I'll let you convict me when it's where you want to touch me about me, and I'll, I'll look at you when I need to see you, and bam, life changes. So what I'd like to do for, for a moment, and I'm going to ask Pascal is... Uh, a psalmist he does in, in Santa Barbara, pastor in Santa Barbara, and, and he comes up and they join us in prayer. And he wrote a, a song about seeking the face of the Lord. And it's just an instrumental improvisation. He's a, a professional concert pianist. And <clears throat> while he's playing, I'd like us to take today's book. And I just want to prove this works. Acts chapter 7. Whether you read it or not, I'd like us all to kind of get up and move around the building and read the scripture aloud and just listen to the Lord while you're reading and step into the story 
Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin. His face is shining like an angel. He's there because the, the religious system is jealous of his success, and there's a conflict, and there's lies being smeared against him, and he's standing there, and he starts to tell the story of Israel, the power of the testimony of the journey of Israel from Abraham to present day. And at the end, he has to call them to task that, they are, that they're, they're hard-hearted, they're, they're unwilling to listen, and they, they're resisting the Holy Spirit. At the end, they become so enraged because they're not being liber freed by what's happening. They are being challenged. See, truth is challenging them, and they don't want to submit. So they stop their ears, and they rush upon him. And they gnash at their teeth. While that is happening, think about that. He looks up into heaven, and he sees the glory of God. He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, he knows he's about, they're driving him out of the city. And he's seeing this vision. He says, look, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And this just now fills them with such rage that they just push him into the stoning, which, you know, there's Paul at the side, who's, they're laying the coats at. This is a real event that happens, and this man, so full of the Holy Spirit, is withstanding the most powerful governmental group that ruled Judaism. But the power of the glory of God and the encounter he had and where he was walking, this is what's coming for us. And I, I just, just let's take this moment, and if you'll just take a moment, and I'll, and I'll read. If, can you, uh, Mike, can you take me out of the system but leave me on? Okay, I'm going to read out loud so that I can work with those online. So let's just all get up and take about 10 minutes. Circumcision. So Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs became envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. 
and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no substance. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And the second time, Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to the 75, to him, 75 people. And Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they, carried, and they were carried back to Shechem and laid in a tomb that Abraham had brought for a sum of money for the son of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But when the time of the promise drew near, when God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt and was mighty in words and deeds. Now, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day, he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptians yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I've come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge, is the one God sent to be ruler and deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. And he brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel 
who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give us, whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifice to the idol, and rejoiced in the work of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your God, Rephim, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Which of our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought it with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the day of David? who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has, not, has my hand not made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom now you have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels, have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. And he, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he called on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. But he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not change them, charge them with the sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you finish, you come on back in. When you've finished your reading, come on back to where you are, and then I'll know we've all had that moment. Wow. Wow. Well, and if you are finished, where did, where did you hear the Lord speak to you today in that one chapter? It's not, it doesn't have to... The hearing the voice of the Lord in Scripture is not so much about what I want to hear, it's what I do hear, happen to hear. Where did he attract me? 
like Moses. You remember he, when you go to Exodus today, Exodus chapter two, and he sees the burning bush that was just recounted. We're given a little more details. One, we're given that there's a fire in the bush because an angel's there. And the bush is not being consumed. That's what catches his attention. And then he says to himself, this is a marvelous thing. I'm going to go find out what this is. And when he turned to see, the Lord spoke. See, that's that attention that you pay, that catching, being being moved by the Spirit and then investigating what I'm hearing or seeing. And then that, that little turn is where God then says, okay, I want to talk to you. Because he really can't talk to us until we are, he has our attention. So that's the beautiful thing. Anybody got a testimony? Want to share what the Lord just said to you? Any encounter you had in Acts chapter 7? I, I, yeah, come on, Kent, please. We'll pull that mic up and You're a little taller than that, Ken. <laughs> yeah, what I, what I was impressed upon was um, at the end of, Steve, right at the beginning, they accused Stephen of all of these things. And so, and then the high priest said to him, are these things so? And I think if it was me, I would have skipped all of chapter 7 and gone into end and started answering at verse 51. I would have just skipped the truth and began my rebuttal. And I think that's what the Lord was speaking to me is that so often I defend myself rather than speak his truth over a situation. And um, so even this morning I woke up condemned and feeling bad and things like that. And I began to think, and I read, um, after reading this, I read a devotional by Joseph Prince, and he says, the problem is you're walking under condemnation for no reason, because we're not condemned. And, um, and that's what I saw here, is I chose to believe a lie that I was being condemned for something that I did yesterday, rather than walking in the truth and that I was free. So I was accusing myself, skipping all the truth, and just going to, Ken, you're a stiff-necked, uncircumcised heart and ears and you've always resisted the whole I mean that's what I was telling myself but that's what we do to each other too I think well, at least what I do I know you guys are all holy but that's what I do tend to do with so that's what the Lord was speaking to me to remember to respond with the truth in love not respond with our emotions in self-righteousness oh thank you Ken that's really good thank you anyone else Love to hear what you heard, Lord, in this spontaneous moment of reading. Okay. The the I want to do, I want to talk about worship with the word. We're all familiar with Psalm two, and we'll practice this. Psalm two, you know, talk of Psalm one. You know, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates day and night. 
Meditation is where we are, what we're doing right now. It's it, the word meditate in the Hebrew is haga, and it means to mutter, to talk, to to speak out loud. It's it 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 can be in in like Ken just pointed out. You could be in in complaint, or you could be in truth. And so we we mutter all the time in worry. We're very prof- proficient in imagining the worst and 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 muttering about what might awful thing might be coming or we can mutter the truth which is meditating the word meditating the word is where then the truth of the word begins to be seen and you have those moments that's all we're doing is positioning ourselves to be con- changed because we're inside of scripture and we're engaging our, our our time to come into agreement with God's words about us about himself and have those moments now, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life. And yet you're unwilling to come to me because they testify about me. So the scripture without the encounter with Jesus is, is not fully completed. The, the greatest moment is when the scripture leads you to those moments you're just going, Jesus, who are you? I mean, you, we're not a part of a religious group that believes, uh, you know, been given commandments by our leader that we're supposed to adhere to and practice and be focused on. That's the law. Uh, it failed, not because the law was bad, but because we, our flesh is weak. But we now follow the spirit and we're encountering someone. And so when the scripture brings me to Jesus, I'm now in the place of being healed. You cannot not be healed in the, when you come to Jesus, whether it's physical healing, uh, healing of our soul, dismantling of systems, of lies that have been controlling us, patterns. Like Ken said, this, thank you, Ken. It's so, you know, just because we've been completely forgiven and have been made righteous and there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ doesn't mean we won't feel those feelings. We're accustomed to them. We're, that's the, the sanctification is coming out of that lie and coming back into the truth. So here's what, here's what I want to do. And I want to show you this, and I will practice it. If you'll go with me to Hebrews 10. This probably started about 20 years ago for me. Mm, I may 15. I don't know. A, long, a while ago. I was like Ken... I, I wanted to find, I wanted to work from the truth and not from where I was feeling. And I needed to find a way that I had assurance that I had a position to be before God. And I wanted to accept what the position I had before God. So I wanted to, I took the scripture and made it a path. I made it like an encounter. And so rather than reading it and saying these things are true, I'm going to live there, I actually used it as my way into prayer. And it's found in Hebrews 10, 19. And it, and it just four, four verses. And I took these four verses and I made them my, my um, acknowledgement of my entrance into prayer so that I dealt with all the things that normally I would spend my time in prayer trying to deal with. I dealt with them by accepting the truth of the word and used it as verbatim and expanded. So we'll, I'll, we'll, 
I'll just let's just read the four verses together, and then we'll we'll unpack them, and then we'll practice them ourselves. Therefore, brethren, yeah, let's read it out loud. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." Five verses, sorry. Okay, this this has revolutionized my entire life because um, when someone when we want to do well, that we are susceptible to the evil one coming and telling us that we're failing, and the whole spirit of religion. And you'll know you're in religion is it always is never enough, and it always makes you feel insuffi- insufficient and in, and and condemned because it's meant to put you in a position of striving. It's a spirit. It's Satan. It's Lucifer. It's his, you know, he was Lucifer. He's no longer the bright star. He is Satan. He's a, he, he is a condemner. He's an accuser. And he's constantly engaging into our mind and injecting thoughts and feelings. And we have been told to resist him. And we, we resist him by holding the truth. That's why Jesus, after the baptism in Jordan, filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing the Holy Spirit does is take him to the devil, take him to the wilderness to meet the devil. Because if he can't withstand the, the lies of Satan, then he will not be able to stand in the truth that God has called him to proclaim. So that's why so many of us have gone through some really hard stuff. Because truth has to be tested. And truth has to become true irregardless of the circumstance. So when Jesus is dealing with the devil, he is not changing the conversation. He's just saying, it is written. It is written. It is written. And he he is not being baited by, if you are the son of God, prove it. Prove it. Prove it. He just kept saying it is written. That's who we're being trained at. We are not, we, we, that we're being trained every way Jesus was trained. We are being trained to be like him. He was in perfect union, submission to the father and the father's word of truth. We are in, we are in perfect union and submission to Jesus Christ. We're inseparable from Christ. We're just having to learn all that we've been given. That's why the practice. So look at this. This is amazing. This is truth. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, that's all outspokenness, that's confidence, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Not not just the, the inner court, the holiest of holies, the very essence of the presence of God, the very place of the throne room where God the Father sits. And we have boldness in the blood of Jesus. So I started... I'm coming to be with you in my hour, and I'm coming boldly because of the blood. That changed my prayer life. 
It didn't matter what I did yesterday or what I did five minutes before. I was not coming based on my merit or based on the, the day I had. I came, I'm here by the blood. And I'm going to be accepted. I'm going to be received because the blood never is rejected. It is the only way in. It's the means to be there. So I'm here by the blood. And I would talk it out loud. You have to you talk it out loud so you hear it. When you hear your own voice, you believe what you're saying more than anyone else's voice. And when you say the Bible and you put it into your own words, it becomes an action. Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming by the boldness of your blood. And I'm coming through the new and living way which you consecrated for us. That is through the veil of your flesh. That's next verse. He's, so I'm coming. I'm not just coming by. The blood gives me the boldness. You, you've cleansed me and, and purged me and remitted me. I'm coming. But I'm also coming through Jesus Christ. And the veil of your flesh. The new and living way you consecrated. And for me, again, you just, whatever. There, once you're in the scripture, look for the Lord to give you your little handles, your little points of, of, of expansion. Because what does it mean to come through the veil of the flesh? It could be like, you know, well, I, I went to the three, the five, five experiences that Jesus walked through for me to be with him. One was he died. He, he, he bore my sin. And... You know, he then was raised from the dead. He, he, he became justified. And then um, he was ascended. He came up. So he, he, he died for my sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And he's now seated as my intercessor, the high priest. So I, I allowed that image of Jesus' completeness, the complete the place he held. Uh, Lord, I'm coming through the fact that you have died for my sins, that you have been buried, that you were raised from the dead, that you've ascended to heaven, and now you're seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm coming through this new path, not the old way, but in through you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, I have a high priest. You are that high priest. So it changed. I didn't see Jesus on the cross. I didn't see Jesus as someone I needed to come into my room where I was struggling, I began to ascend and I began to see, I'm in the throne room and you're the high priest over me. And so I had three, three witnesses that gave me full access to the full presence of the living God in his face. His blood, his, his, the veil of his flesh, the new and living way, because there used to be a veil that kept the holy of holies, but that one's been torn. Now the new one is opened up and you're my high priest over me. Okay, so I would, I would say those words out loud. I would say them to the Lord. I would say them to God. I would say them as, I'm coming, and this is the reason I'm going to be accepted, and this is where I'm coming to, and I'm coming to the Holy of Holies, and I'm coming through your, by your blood, and I'm coming through the veil of your flesh, and I'm going to be here. And I do it as long as it took for my emotions and my mind and my self to submit. Sometimes it would be like that, and I'd be, oh, yeah. Other times I was con condemned. Other times I was aware of why I should be condemned. But I couldn't undo what I'd done. But I couldn't keep living in that feeling of how long do I have to feel bad over it. I needed to be in the presence and this was my hour. So I needed to get out of that. But I, my emotions weren't letting me get out of it. But I just found, I found that truth will prevail. Truth will prevail. 
you, you cannot not say the word of God out loud and, and apply it to your approach without it taking possession of your emotions and of your mind and of your imagination. And eventually you begin to feel what the scripture says. You see what the scripture says and so forth. Then I, I got into this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And I thought, whoa, here in the Holy of Holies, I can be honest. I can be honest. I mean, given permission to be honest. And whatever I say about wherever I am, I can be truthful in my heart in the assurance of the faith that I have in Jesus Christ. I'm here because of the blood. I'm here through the veil of his flesh. I'm here because he's my high priest. That's why I'm here. But now that I'm here, I've got some issues that I need to process. I got questions I need to ask. I got struggles I need to process. And, and I found that I had this audience with God that he, I could be completely honest. I mean, don't you, don't, you know, it's so good to be honest. But it's not, but it's, but it's the honesty is the releasing us from the current moment. It's not to, not to get us accepted. We're not accepted because we're honest. We're accepted because we're in Christ. So, but when we draw near with the true heart, I, we, we find that two things happen. And these are real, tangible moment, everyday moment experience. Our hearts are sprinkled from an evil conscience. Our evil conscience is that which is bothering you, that which is con condemning you, that which is, you know, ch challenging your union and your enjoyment and your communion. There's nothing in your life that separates you from God. The only thing that separates us from God is when we believe a lie. We've been made one in Christ. We cannot be unwoned. We've been made one. We can sin. We can fall under the condemnation of the sin. We can repeat the sin. We can live in sin. But we cannot be separated from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So as soon as we return, as soon as we make that one step, blood is my acceptance through the veil is my access, and you are my high priest, and here I am. We are completely reconciled. There's not an issue that you were, being, you were living a separate life from God that continue with you. It can't follow you. The, 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 and now you're there. And so you begin to then process or, or worship. I love to worship here. I praise the Lord. I, I extol him. I've gotten so that I use the whole book of Hebrew just as kind of like a little psaltery of, of, of acknowledging. Because every time you acknowledge Jesus for who he is, he says, that's who I am. Every time you exalt him, that you are my healer, you are my redeemer, that you are faithful, whatever you have said. But what happens is in that honest moment, my conscience gets sprinkled and my body gets washed with pure water. The water is the word, the, con the sprinkling is the blood. So you start having a real refreshing and you'll feel it. You'll feel like, wow, I really feel a lot better than I felt when I started. I really feel, I feel the union. I really I'm aware of the oneness. This is terrific. This is really good. And then we get to the job, the work that I think is we in this room could will we'll become major players. That's what God's will is for us. Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. Everything 
that God is wanting to bring forth in the earth. He promises before he does it. He speaks it into our life, and we then say it back to him. That's what confession means. It means to say the same thing. I heard you say this, so I say back to you. I heard you say this, so I say back to you. He says, I want you to hold that confession of hope. It's not about what's happened. Truth is Jesus. Faith is in truth. But it's what he's promised, who we anticipate, we're looking to, and we hold that confession. And that's when where, where God says, okay, now we're, now we're starting to do this priestly ministry that I made you to be priests and kings on the earth. You're agreeing with me, and you're holding that confession, and it's all in my presence. And you'll find that God will celebrate everything he's ever said to you. If, you, if he called you to this or said that or he promised you with this scripture or he asked you to do this for him and it's 20, 30 years since he said those things and nothing had happened and you tried and they failed. But if you go back and in that place in his holy presence and you say, Lord, I want to say to you that you said these words to me and I, prom- I thank you that you're faithful. You are faithful who promise. I don't know how in the world you're going to do it. I don't even, I, don't, I was married and now I'm not married And you spoke to me about marriage ministry. How in the world does that have anything to do with anything? But it does not matter what I did or what happened to me. What matters is what you said. And I agree that what you said, you promise you're faithful. You watch. God comes to you and he just says, that's faith. That's righteousness. That's accepting my promises that you cannot perform. But they they brought forth hope. They are to be performed. And so you do it. So what I want us to do now is practice that. Accept these words, step into them, and, take, and, and look for the encounter, and just take it ourselves. We'll take about five minutes. Pascali, you've got, I know you've got to leave at 9.30. Can you do some more music for us? Okay. So take verse 19 through 23, and just, just let it, become your engagement and just open use your heart and your mouth spirit truth and we'll encounter the lord okay let's go ahead and you can get up and move around it's probably always helpful for me to do that i'm going to go online now <clears throat> okay guys yep all right okay so you're online with me let's do this together therefore brethren lord here we come I'm coming. I'm running. I'm expectant. I'm confident. Not in me. I have no reason of confidence. I know me way too well. But I'm not coming by me. I'm coming by the blood. In the blood of Jesus. The glorious blood of what you have accomplished. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm not. I'm, I'm entering. I'm entering. I'm, I'm accepted. I'm I am I have been justified. I have been given a place. I stand there. I'm coming through the new and the living way which you consecrated. You did it. It's in your flesh. Resurrection. Your new newness of life. <laughs> you are life giving. I come through the fact that you died for my sin. That you were buried. You were raised for my justification that you ascended on high and are now seated at the right hand of God. I come through you, Jesus. I come through you into the holiest of holies. We are going to commune together 
in the place you prepared for me. Here's the place, in the Father's house, in the very presence of God, in your place. And I'm not afraid because here you are, my high priest, over the house of God. Hebrews 3 tells me that I am your house if I hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So yeah, I am here because of you. I am with you in this place. You are over me. You, per, you, you make my actions acceptable. You help teach me the way of the kingdom and the way of the court, of the way of God's throne room. Praise you. And so I'm here. Now, Lord, I want to, I want to be honest. I want to draw near to you with a true heart. I want to be honest about that what I am more aware today and this is true, of my weakness and my inability to produce anything. I see what you're saying. It's beyond anything I could ever have imagined, and it gets a bit larger, but I see myself weaker. And I'm be honest, like Paul, I more times than not think that the best answer would be to get me out of my weakness versus leaving me in my weakness. And I don't know how to boast about my infirmities, but Paul had to, I choose to. I am insecure. I'm fearful. I'm, I'm aware of your ability and aware of my inability. I'm like Abraham. I feel that you have promised things that you will perform, but I can't. I, I tried to rise up to be at the, at the level I could perform with you, but I can't even perform with you. I, I'm, I'm in a place now that it's up to you. What you promise, you'll have to perform. I, I can't help you, but but, I, but that doesn't mean I don't believe you. I believe you. I let you, I know that I'm, my heart's sprinkled, my body's being washed. I'm submitting to your word. I bow my knee to you. I humble myself under you, your mighty hand and in your sight and under your living word. And I'm just here. I, I'm let, getting, letting go of me so that you can take the place and you can be the source. And so that you are my resource. And I just worship you. I praise you so much. I praise you. I praise you on your earth walk, that which I'm all walking in the same uh, potential. And yet I am promised. And yet I am aware of my own inability. But I'm not lowering the standard of what you called us to live. I'm just accepting you are the only means to hold that place. The water has to wash. The words have to take hold. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. You're the only one that could have done what you did, and we thank you for what you did. And so, Lord, I stand here, and I just open my mouth and keep the confession of hope alive. You asked me in 1918, 2018 to pray for the Holy Spirit like you taught me to pray for water, for rain. You taught me some truths, and you set me on a course. Now it's three years later, and that's not undone. It's not completed. It's, a, it's my hope. There's a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You're going to, and I'm sorry you have to work with me, but it doesn't matter who you're working with. It doesn't, you don't need us. It's you. You made a promise. You're the one who performs it. You're faithful to perform what you promise. So thank you for the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's going to return the church back to you. It's going to cause an awakening, cause a maturity, because truth will abound. I thank you for the scriptures that you've been imbi imbibing in my life. Well, a place to live, a place to dwell, a place to rest, a place to re 
come to. I thank you for the, the, the awakening that's coming. Awakening in my own heart. And I don't ask for anything for anyone that I won't ask for myself. I don't ask anything for anyone other than what you would do for me. And whatever. So Lord, let it be. Returning, awakening, the vision of salvation. You told me in 2013 that that the that the that the the model of salvation would be the Saul of Tarsus, and being met in glory, being brought into the encounter with destiny, called out of insanity into inheritance, that there would be that repentance, and there would come a returning, and there would become a remittance, and there would be that refreshing. So I accept it for me, and I accept it as your ability. There is not anyone in the planet that is that can withstand your your entrance into their life. And so salvation is going to come, and the word will be preached, and Jesus will be exalted, and multitudes of people will return to the Lord who have turned away from you because you want a full house. You want to compel those in the highways and the byways, and you want to bring those who are in rebellion or offended and hurt. You're going to collect your church and bring her back to yourself. So I worship you here. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I won't. I, I'm, all I'm doing is going to hold fast the confession of my hope in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Can we, um, if, if, come on back in. I'd love, to, I'd love to hear a testimony or two of what the Lord did with you on that prayer. Uh, anyone? Someone, please, or a question. Uh, it didn't work for you. Yeah, go ahead, Richard, after Brian. Come on, yeah, you'll be up, yeah. The section in where it says that he's the high priest, and that I would just was reminded of the scripture in Hebrews 4 that says, seeing that we have a high priest, uh, that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession or confession. For we have a high priest who cannot, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with our feelings or infirmities, but in all points tempted as we are without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace for time of need. And it was just, it's just, a, again, an expansion of what he was, what, is being said in, in chapter 10, but it's just another way, and it just was that in going and coming through the veil and coming to him, he, we obtain mercy and grace for time of need, and that, that is just a, it's a strengthening in that point for me. So it was just a, again, we use the scripture to expand and to, to give us words, and so this just became a part of in that that brought strength to obtain mercy and and grace in time of need. So what you, you're saying is when you came into the high priest over the house of God, the word the high priest highlighted, highlighted. and, and right. you went to back to Hebrews four where there's another that right. expansion of the high priestly ministry and the throne of grace. Yes. Does that make sense? So the word that he was reading opened the door to go into a whole nother portion of scripture and that that's yes. yeah powerful so yes yeah go ahead richard 
Anybody have a question too? This is perfect time to workshop this. I think the thing that stood out to me in both of these readings is God's provision. Providing in times of when there's no food, providing for Abraham when he just brings him to land, but then he fulfills what he gave him the land for. Um, the fact that he is faithful, uh, and as Steve talks about truth, I've been into truth for about two months with God. Um, he is just, um, you know, he's he can he can do nothing but but provide. I mean, it's there. We have nothing to be concerned about. Uh, looking at all this, and the more our eyes are on Him, uh, we can walk through all these issues that are in the world today, and knowing like He did with Moses and with so many that Stephen talked about that He'll also do for us. Yeah, That's thank you. Yeah, and Richard, yeah, come on up. Uh, Richard just illustrated something I always want you to remember. As soon as God starts talking, follow him. <laughs> don't, don't try to follow me or try to follow who's speaking. Once you start hearing the Lord speak, then he's, he's taking over the conversation. And, and let that grow. Go ahead, Wes. So I need a new back, and I was entering the holiest by the blood of Jesus boldly. And I was coming in through the veil of his flesh, and he was the high priest over me, and my heart was being cleansed from an evil conscience, and then my body was being washed with the pure water of the word, and I was experiencing this wholeness before him, and then I understood in this wholeness before him that he wanted that wholeness on earth as it was before him. And I was just receiving it by faith. So I just want to pray that out because it's so simple, but it just, it's awesome. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for leading us into this. So yes, Lord, thank you, Father, that men of valor that have taken many shots for your glorious kingdom are not identified on earth as those that are scarred and marred, but they get to come into your holy place boldly. Mm -hmm by the blood of your son that has scars to prove because he has opened up a new and living way. He's the high priest over this beautiful place where we meet with you, Abba, and he washes and he cleanses and he heals and he restores and then he allows scars of his son to showcase his glory and then the things that we were scarred in, the things that we were marred in, the things that we were weak in are no longer our identity, but now there's glory in place of that infirmity. Now there is a testimony in place of that setback. Now there is the beauty of an inheritance in the place of that loss. And I release that for your sons now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Ken? I'm glad. Uh... You confirmed about not necessarily following if the Lord begins to lead you in a different direction. Uh -huh. yeah. um, the first reading felt the Lord remind me to to read in uh, Romans 8 <clears throat> about 
as it is written, we as lambs, we are as lambs led to the slaughter. Um, and then in Hebrews 11 about when Stephen's speaking about Moses, how Moses, when he came of age, refused to be identified with as a son of Pharaoh's daughter, but chose rather to follow in the afflictions of the people of God. And then I felt like the Lord's speaking to us all, at least to me. <laughs> He's been working this out in my life for, for some seasons, but we find life in the dying of Christ's body as we identify with his afflictions here on earth that we don't think it's strange when we encounter trials and, and challenges. And when we were behind over there at the piano, this is the last few notes you were playing, um, the highs and the low, once in a while you'd hit a low note. Right then, it, just, it was like a resonation of God's spirit saying, this is life. You have high notes and low notes, but you can't have only one or the other. You've got to learn to find the dance of, and the rhythm of worship in the valley and also on the hilltop. But we cannot remain on the hilltop because we're called to go into the valley. As Jesus was sent, we've been sent. And he was sent into the valley. I, 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 I try to escape the valley. The Lord keeps sending me back, though, because he, he, he needs us as light and, uh, and salt. So I find, though, the struggle with my flesh is the dying of Jesus is always occurring in me. As Roman, or 2 Corinthians 4 talks about, we have this power, this treasure in our cracked vessels, clay pots, so that we recognize it's God's power. Mm -hmm. And we always come back to the recognition of it's your glory. And it's not to be thought strange when I'm persecuted or I'm encountering affliction. But I can play those low notes and then remind myself of the high notes that I have a high priest that's interceding for me. Mm -hmm. And he's bringing comfort. And he's the one that satisfies me. And I can say it's okay to forsake Pharaoh and all the pleasures of the world. And I'll esteem the reproach of Christ as greater treasure. Because he is the treasure. Yeah. And as we second recognize that it's his power, and in those times we're on the Inton Valley and we're we're encountering um, we're encountering those times of dying. <laughs> uh it's for your sake, church, because you can then see Jesus in me and not see Kenny being victorious or overcoming, but through Christ we overcome. He's the one that makes us more than conquerors. But in the conquering, we're led as slams, lambs, slams, slamming that lamb into that place of what does a bull do or a cattle do when they're being led to the slaughter? Oh boy. The opposite of what a lamb is doing. 
And I'm off in a calf, a calf, kicking and screaming. I don't want my neck cut. I don't want to die. But the lamb led without a voice, without a peep, not even a, bah. they're just like, oh, I'm here to be sheared. Okay, I'm yeah. here to be taken apart again. I'm here to be offered on the altar. And in that place we'll find God's grace truly is enough. And in our weakness and in our dying, the life of Christ will be revealed in our mortal flesh. And he alone will be acknowledged as Jesus in me is greater than all the hell that Satan can try to muster against me. Amen. Amen. Lord, I praise you. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your, 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 your love, that you resonate um, what you're doing in each of our hearts, though we think it not strange when we encounter tests and trials and tribulations. Lord, you said you've spoken these things that even in the world we might have your peace in the midst of tribulation. And we can rejoice because you've overcome. Yes. You, Lord, make us more than conquerors. God, help us to recognize that in the valley, Lord, you're with us. Your rod, your staff, they comfort us. Mm -hmm. We'll fear no evil. Mm -hmm. We'll have no want. You're our shepherd, Lord. You're our great sheep, shepherd of the sheep. Now make us, Lord, complete in every good word and work, doing the will of God, that which is pleasing in your sight, for your honor, for your glory, in your name, Jesus, amen. Amen, 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 thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Otherwise, I've got one more exercise and we'll get you home. Oh, come on up, Nick, yeah. Yeah, so Steve was, he was entering in, and it was, he was like running, and, and just the picture of the father, and like the son running to the father, and the father has open arms, and he's embracing, and, and it's just come fully into the presence of I am, and, and that we've been sprinkled with the clearing, with the clean conscience, and just the, the fact that we've been sprinkled, it's like a salt shaker, just sprinkled, it just totally just made clean by the blood of Jesus and it was so vivid and just like wow just praise the Lord Amen. that's good so you had a real encounter with the power of that of the blood for boldness right. and clean just, just like a father like a son and father just coming in he's just like embracing just oh, I was like yeah praise the Lord that's good yeah. Nick that's really good you know what that go ahead you, yeah but, yeah Phil when I first started to come up with the idea of boldness, I, did the, I had the same imagery. I had a picture of me running into my father's house. I, and I, I was living in a two-story house. So I see myself running down the stairs just knowing I was going to be accepted. So all the emotion of acceptance was just, I let it flood into my being like that. It really changed a lot. Go ahead, Phil. Well, thank you. Um, sitting back there, I could hardly wait to get up here. It was just like, you know, with, with what Wes said and what Ken said earlier about being condemned. Um, Ken, you really, you really hit on a point with me. 
Um, reading the scripture, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest. There are days I don't feel I should have any entry to the Holy of Holies. And you feel like you've sinned or you've done some things and you say, Lord, I can't come to your presence. You know, I did that such and such thing yesterday. And he says, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. I've already cleansed you from that. And so for me to have the boldness to come into the Holy of, Holy of Holies, I had to, uh, Jesus said, basically, do you realize what I, I did for you to have that access? I had my skin ripped and torn. I had the hair pulled out of my face. I had nails punched through my hands and my feet. I had my back ripped apart with the cat of nine tails. I had thorns and I bled. And that's just the part before I got to the cross. Then when I got to the cross, I absorbed all mankind's sin and all man's diseases. The elephant man, Jesus took that on his body. And the Jesus was the elephant man on steroids on the cross. That's why he was so deformed. And then on top of that, he dies and goes to hell for three days. And then he, obviously, he rose from the dead. And then what you just said about Psalm 23, Psalm 22 is Jesus in hell. And then Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd. With that all said, Jesus said to me, you have every right to come to the throne hmm. and come to my presence with boldness. You know, people are fighting about their constitutional rights today. You have a heavenly right, and as a citizen of the heavens, you have a right to come boldly to the throne, not because of what you and I have done, but because of what he has done. That's it. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was good. Anyone else? Dennis, come on up. It's great to hear each other because we all hear the Lord in somebody else's testimony and the witness, the prophecy of Jesus comes. I remember when I was reading that part about uh, the confidence, you know, we get sprinkled clean and we're at comfort with him and we're open with him and honest. And I kept thinking, uh, and then I got Psalms 139 in my head, and it's, you know, it's, uh, uh, you search me and know me, and my lying down and my rising up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search, you search my paths and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. And even before a word is on my tongue, you know it. You hem me in before and behind, and your hands upon me, so many things are too wonderful, Marnie. I can't conceive of it. It's much too high. I just thank you, Lord, that you're aware of every little hair of our heads. And, Lord, you give us that opportunity. And it's just our awareness that we need to develop in you, Lord. So I just thank you, Father, that you have laid this out for us. You have this massive recovery unit, and it's just us receiving it. So I pray, thank you, Father that we could all be at that point where we can look up to you and not have blinded eyes or closed ears, but our eyes would be open and our ears would be open and that we could receive healing. I just thank you, Father, for your opportunities that you lay before us constantly. In your holy name, I thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 That is what I wanted to illustrate Taking the scripture as your words to the Lord. We weren't, 
we weren't the one who penned it, like David in Psalm 139, but it, they are our words as much as they were his words because they're God's words given. And now we can use them and, and uh, uh, hand them to the Lord. You don't have to qualify for it. You don't have to have the experience exactly as he had. You just, ex we are accepting the truth and using it for praise. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, there's this, this, I want to encourage you in this next month, <clears throat> look wherever you're reading and especially find the place that you're connecting to the Lord and practice building that as a pathway with praise so that when you start and you're not, you're not there, you know, many times I start in prayer and I'm not present. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling it but I want to feel it. So I've got to find a path of truth. And so I have these places that they, they tend to develop over a month for six to eight months, and they begin to become something that's being built, and I just start practicing the path. And so for me, this is a go-to right now, Hebrews chapter 1, because in the first four verses, there are more dynamic accomplishments of the Lord Jesus Christ and positions of authority that he holds. So I just described that. So in Hebrews chapter 1, it said, God who at various times in various ways spoke to the fathers in the past times, spoke to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. And the word by is in. So I will use this. I'll say, Lord Jesus, I'm coming and I want to acknowledge that you are the voice of God. God speaks Jesus. Everything about who I am to hear is in you. And not only in who you are, here are the attributes that God says of you. He appointed you heir of all things. You're the heir of every nation, of every tribe, of every tongue, of every person. You're the heir. You, are, you have inherited all in the resurrection. But not only are you the heir... God, through you, made the worlds. Before you were the heir. When you were just God the Son, now you're the... And so I'm just, what I'm doing is, I'm, I'm, I'm just making him so big. And I'm not doing it by my own language, I'm just studying the scripture. You're the heir of all things. God made the worlds through you. You're the brightness of his glory. And, and you'll, many of you will think, oh, that's, that's Second Corinthians 4, 6. If you to see the glory of God is in the face of Jesus. You're the very brightness of the glory of God. And you are the express image. We're in verse 3 now. You're the express image of his person. And you I've looked up to find out the word image of his person means substance. It's the body. You are like all of God is seen in you. All the the, the divine power is held in your bodily form. You are this. This express image of God's person and you uphold all things or gather all things by the word of your power this is who you are this is who i'm turning to so whatever strife struggle chaos conflict that i am feeling and carrying with me into prayer they start to just drop at this exalted jesus exalting jesus with the scripture is so empowering because what you exalt will become bigger and what you diminish will become smaller. And so now exalting Jesus forces all the issues that are coming at us. When you had by yourself, 
Never, no help of man and no help to sustain it with man. You purged our sins. Our sins have been purged. They are, all of Hebrews talks that. You sat down at the right hand of majesty. So I see you. I see you where you are. You're at the right hand of majesty. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. You don't leave that throne. And you became much better than the angels. Much better. You're much better than the angels. You're, that, that's, that's in rank. That's in resource. That's in substance. He was made a little lower, the angels. Chapter 2 says, for the suffering of death. But now you've been made much better than the angels because you've obtained an, by an inheritance, by an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So then I think to myself, if you have received everything by inheritance, and the scripture says, I have received everything by inheritance, as I'm approaching you, I am accepting that all the inheritance you've given me is by a promise, and so I'm going to stay in agreement, and it just, you, I just come up. To, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? Today I've begotten you. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And then I realize... The greatest place I hold is a sonship that I've been given, just as you have been given the greatest place in the Father by being called a son, which elevated you far above the angels. So I have been elevated. And what I'm doing is I'll just continue on, because for me, the book of Hebrews is a very much a part of my fellowship with the high priest. And I will go forward in that. What I want to ask you to do, and we'll go, Close our eyes and just listen, because sometimes we don't act on what's the next step because we don't, ha we don't make a decision on it. Where would the Lord have you praise him in Scripture as a way of redirecting thoughts and emotions from wherever you find yourself in conflict back into the truth of who he is and where he is? Where would be... And, and just ask the Lord, Lord, where would you give me a path of praise? I want a path of praise. I want to know where to exalt you, extol you, and virtue and truth. Just listen. Could be, he could say a general statement like a book or the Psalms. Where do I worship you with your word? Again, there's, it's not a right or wrong answer. It's just come up with the beginning point. You may start one book or in a place, and then as you start, like Brian, you're directed to another place, and then you realize that's the place. You just, all that matters is we start. Start today, start tomorrow. Where would the Lord have you? Fellowship, praise, worship him with his word. To ascribe to him truth and glory. Once you've got it, stand up, please. And then we'll release a blessing and go home. That way I know we've all heard the Lord. And if you're having a hard time, then make your own, uh, choose a book. Hearing the voice of the Lord is, a, is, is not as hard as it sounds like. It's many times a sense of feeling, a sense of kind of an a desire, an emotion. Mm.
It could be you're already in the book. You don't have to change books. It could be in our reading. Just here, use that now as your praise. Okay, we all up? Good. Almost. If you don't, if you're really struggling, I would use our readings that we're doing or I would use the book of Psalms as a place of praise. Those are two surefire. Heavenly Father, and all online, I ask that you would receive us as sons, having been made sons through Jesus Christ. I ask you to engage us in Scripture truths, in praise and worship, and to call us up into the place you prepared for us, that this month, you would empower us in ways we've never been empowered before and greater ways than we've been empowered. I ask you that we would walk into the secret place of the Most High, that we would be aware that we're under the shelter of the Almighty, that we would encounter you, be transformed in the encounter, have a refuge, have a path of praise. I declare that in this month, you will accelerate our access and activity and rest and joy and quietness and that we will come into the joy and the peace and the righteousness that the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. So I thank you. Appoint this grace upon us. Send us out to do our work of our day ahead of us and to bless us as we gather to worship tomorrow in Jesus' name. Amen.